Hello, folks. It's Wednesday, and I'm Will, and super, super excited to have this conversation. I have a special guest today, and we are going to talk about this ever-evolving workplace and the hybrid workplace. Um, for those of you that are new to this broadcast and those of you who are watching live, if you can type in where you're tuning in from and that you are team live, because I just love the global reach this, this weekly show has at the moment. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to try to double task. I'm going to try to look at the screen. I'm going to bring Julie, our guest, up because our topic today is Thrive with a um, thrive with a hybrid workplace, and our guest is Julie. So I don't want to mess anything up. Julie, I'm bringing you out of the green room. Here you are. Hello, Julie, Great and welcome to, to Wednesday you. with Will. Great to see you, Will. I'm so super excited to be having this conversation. Uh, it's today. great to be here. So why don't you tell those who do not know you um, who you are and what you do, and then we're going to talk about the book you've just recently published. Uh, great. Um, I'm Julie Cantor. I am a business by psychologist by training. I work in corporations, organizations, firms, large and small, helping leaders, leaders develop, teams grow, um, just basically working on the culture and helping people, you know, lead organizations and be enjoying their jobs. I, and we've met, I've known you, I remember meeting you, um, we probably met years ago and maybe don't remember at different places, but I specifically remember I met you and had dinner the week I was leaving the Met. You were glowing. I was, I was <laughs> super excited to um, be starting a new chapter. I knew I was ending one that I loved and I was starting something completely unknown. And here we are a year and a half later and I can't believe you've published a book I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm sitting here in Rio de Janeiro. It's just absolutely incredible how life can change and yeah, how no, the workplace has changed. <laughs> it's great. And I, I mean, I think it's a testament sort of seeing you at that moment and the journey you've gone just since then and sort of mastering. I mean, the, this whole movement in terms of aspiring better human and sort of bringing spreading your word or bringing the best out of people, we are aligned souls with that will. <laughs> It's amazing because when, when I think about it, uh, where you, what you've done, your business, your coaching versus what I've been starting to do, I'm focused on the team building aspect of it because I was always in the public realm. So I love speaking to big teams and, and big complicated cross-departmental working together. And so much has changed in the last few years because of COVID. Um, and so I want to talk about your book. I want to be able to have everybody um, know about it. I have my digital copy here and hopefully the screen will work with me. There we go. Um, for those of you who are new and watching, um, you make sure you get yourself a copy of this. You can get it in the digital version. Look, you could do it here in Rio de Janeiro as well. So I'm super excited to talk about this book. The one thing I wanted to talk about before we start asking questions, um, uh, asking the audience to answer questions, something that you had sent to me, something I read somewhere, I love your seven C's of successful leadership. Love that. You want to talk about how you came up with that? I mean, it's just wonderful to see it in a sentence like that. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been, I've been in the world of helping leaders grow for 
decades, literally. And so I, I've been looking at the, the challenges that they've been facing, what I see with my clients and reading the literature and sort of trying to pull out the, the essence and the um, challenges, the um, issues that come across leaders and sort of trying to break them into um, buckets, if you will, of the concepts that people reading the book can hold on to and use going forward. The whole way the book was written is in a very sort of user-friendly resource. It's really, I mean, if you can sit down and read it all at once, that's great, but it's really meant to be very accessible. And so in creating this, um, these seven C's, it's also somebody who's got a question about what it's looking like, the challenge of collaborating, say they can go right into it. And so as a totality, you master these seven C's of leadership, you're going to be a really good leader. Right. And then using the book, very, again, user-friendly, you want to go into something in terms of compassion, which I know you and I could talk for decades about in terms of what that's like in leadership. Right. Uh, but these are really the core clusters of leadership. Any good leader is going to master them in different ways. What, what struck me reading your seven C's was that that's exactly what was needed three years ago when we were thrust into this virtual world to try to reopen businesses, deal with our teams, communicate with people. And I just, I just love how you put that there. Now, question time. I want to ask the audience who's watching live to feel free to put any questions they have for us in the comments and I'll be, I'll do my best to read them out loud. But what I did was I put some questions together that I wanted to ask you. Um, and I think you touched upon the first one. So I have three questions for you. I, I'm, I'm trying not to um, <laughs> ask too many because I do think you and I could probably spend the rest of the <laughs> afternoon um, having this conversation. But I wanted to ask you um, basically why did you and Felice decide on this particular topic when you were writing this book? What, what was it in the business that you have and what she does in, in the world? Well, it's actually um, a, a human interest story of sorts. We were actually approached, Felice and I have known each other for probably two decades. We're friends, colleagues, our world. She is an employment attorney. Um, over the years, she has referred clients to me when she's dealing with an organization where there's a larger um, employment issue, harassment, discrimination, and there is one particular person or a team that needs individual leadership and help one-on-one, she would refer them to me. And vice versa, if I'm working with somebody and there's a leadership issue, but then it taps into some legal issues, I would refer to her. And we were, it was around the time of actually the lockdown and, and a joint colleague of ours was an HR person at a, um, a publisher approached us about writing a book on remote work. And this was during lockdown. And we started talking about it. Then it realized we're coming out of lockdown. Not everybody's going to stay working 100 percent. Right. Together. It won't be that way forever. It won't right. be forever. Yeah. And I can tell you, I remember the, mo the moment that this book really was born, as we say, we were talking about the challenges of things coming, people coming and going, and what that's going to look like, because this was back in 
early 2020, 2021. So we didn't know where we were going then, right? Um, she said to me, I've spent my career helping clients minimize risk. And I said, I've helped my co career helping clients grow. And that was really where we came together and realized our clients are coming, are the same clients are coming to us, but for different reasons. And this hybrid world is a mess. We don't know which end is up. People right. need a resource to help them navigate it. I think it's so, it's such an important topic. And you hear this conversation all the time. You, you see the headlines, this everyone back to work. You don't have to come back to work. It really is. How many days a week are people supposed to be working? I mean, we're in this changing landscape. And I think any tools to help people, leaders, HR departments navigate it, I think is just great. So uh, I, I, kudos to the both of you <laughs> for bringing those two worlds together because people absolutely need the help. It, promote, and so so I'll cut you off. Sorry, go no, ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I wanted to ask you, as you're out on the road promoting your book, and um, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. You reached number one on Amazon. That was a, a, that's always a, a, a moment to celebrate, so congratulations. So as you're out there talking about the book, what are you hearing from those interested in this topic? Maybe it's the same questions or the same uh, comments people watching it, today will have. It, the, I think the most overwhelming is like, wow, we don't even know what we don't know. Um, and once we start talking about it, it's like, oh, wow, really? We need to think about that. Uh, we're in such new territory. And what we're seeing initially people are facing with is we're going back to work thinking it's business as it was, right. such as you and I are in the same office. I need to catch you. I just walk down the office, walk down to your office and pop my head in say, hey, Will, I got a quick question or things like that. And, and so we think that we still need to do that. But the problem is, is you and I had to schedule being here right now. We couldn't just bop into each other's office. Yeah. You know, in planning this, right, you and I scheduled a time to meet, whereas if we were planning this, we'd be just walking back and forth. And so the whole premise of where we are now is you have to think about things. And what we're hearing from people when we're presenting it, it's like, oh, right. I didn't think I need to think about that. You think about it in terms of unlearning, right? As a leader or, or as a human citizen, we have to unlearn certain things. And the workplace was a certain way for so long. And I'm a believer that the workplace was really starting to change prior to the pandemic, prior to the lockdowns and you had generational issues and there were all sorts of things happening. So I was a student of the unlearning based upon some of the teams I was honored and privileged to lead. I love your word unlearning. And actually in my change chapter, I talk about in terms of the change process, you have to let go. Yeah. And you were successful, Will, because you were willing to, in your words, unlearn, my word, let go, same right. exact concept. Right. Um, and if you look at the Bridges Changes model, his first step of change is letting go, your word unlearning, before right. you can move in. And so in this whole piece of the, of the hybrid world, it is about unlearning or letting go of things. Um, and what we're seeing is people are forgetting you need to learn new tools. And in terms of just leadership, 
The fact of the matter is those seven C's of leadership, they, I didn't write it. It could have been written 10 years ago. Obviously, substantively some differences. But you add in the hybrid piece, you have to be a leader on steroids. And so things, so unlearning, you need to unlearn, the forget the assumption that you can just count on connecting with your team because you're going to bump into them. Right. Or that you can, you have your weekly or daily meeting and you'll just discuss it there, right? The world is different. How it's well, set up. And, and so even just the scheduling the weekly meetings, right? It takes more effort. Are you going to be in the office? Am I going to be in the office? Which is where, you know, when I hear the conversation you frequently hear is, well, are we in the office two or three days? And I am coming to say that it's just a silly question. Because if it's just the number and you're picking two days and I'm saying two, but your two days are Tuesdays and Thursdays and mine are Monday and Wednesday, we both should have just stayed home because there's no purpose in being in the same place at the same right. time unless you're going to capture that human connection. Right. My next question goes along with that. With, with um, the workplace is changing, it has been changing, and for the period of time from lockdown until I left the, the, the mat, um, most of my team had to work in the building, right? You're the Met, you have tickets to sell, you have um, people to greet. And so the hybrid wasn't a, an option. Yet there were people that worked in operations who answered the phones and we wanted to keep the density in the office down. So they worked from home. So it created what you just described. How do you have a team meeting? How do you bring everyone together? You have some in the room, who's got the camera? Is the, is the Wi-Fi stable enough to bring, bring people on? So my next question to you is, how do you advise organizations on the DEIA issues related to those who cannot work from home? And I'll say this, because I was the guy who had, in my entire career, I worked primarily with the public. And when you're in New York City, those working with the public look like New York City. It's a diverse population, yet those that are working with the public are in roles that are not like the back office. How are right. you advising people to handle that? Because I struggled with it at that time and it continues to change. What do you say to those struggling? Yeah, with it, first of all, it's a real challenge. I, I mean, at core initially, hybrid work challenge was a problem for knowledge workers. That's it, for knowledge workers. Because once you go beyond that, you're talking about people who are servicing, you know, working with the public. You're talking about doctors, like teachers, all of these other things, which have to be face, you know, they're, by definition, it's live, right? Um, and so initially, people weren't even addressing the issue of the differential in, in the fact that not everybody can do it. Right. Um, we're not, at, I don't know the answer to that yet. I can tell you what's happening more and more are organizations are hearing more from employees saying, this ain't fair. This ain't fair. And so what does that look like? I can tell you we're seeing some where there is some room, right? At the, at the, you know, at the, at the end of the day, if you go to a restaurant and you want to 
be served a meal, there has to be a cook that's there. They can't be working from their kitchen because by the time they get here, it's going to be cold. Yeah. Um, I, what we were talking yesterday, I literally had just come back from the dentist and we were talking about the same thing. And I said, you know, my dentist can't work from home, nor can anybody else in their office. I will say, however, there are some places I've seen a couple of things. One place is actually another um, um, medical practice that I work with, and they are working to getting folks to rearrange their schedules so that they can take a half, a, a half day each week, which is their prep and admin day that they can do at home. Right. So, but part of it is, again, they're gonna, it's going to have to take scheduling because part of admin day is meetings. And so I've got to still be coordinating. You're, it's in between you meeting with two patients. I'm working at home, so there's more coordination. I see other places where they're just trying to have to figure out some, for lack of a better word, kudo to give to somebody that is acknowledging the fact that they are going in live and they don't have this right. flexibility. Right. I don't totally know the answer. And I will tell you, and, and you know, Fleece, and I can speak for her because we've been at, attached at the hip there. You know, she's the attorney on it. So she's really right. starting to hear clients who are complaining because people are going to start to sue. We're not right. seeing there that because at the end of the day, it's what is a job requirement. So if I'm, I'm if I'm, if I'm thinking about this topic and being thoughtful about the topic, this is going to require leaders to be even more thoughtful about their teams, right? It's never going to change. The people in finance or the people in finance, they can work from home as long as they're delivering. But if you are, like you said, working the restaurant or working in a retail store, that's an impossible thing to, to do. So I think as leaders think about their own organizations, they, I, I don't know if it's a question of compensation or time off, something, because you're never going to change the fact that certain jobs can always be done from home, while others you need to be on site. Right. And look, at the end of the day, it's a I hate to say it, it boils down to good leadership because the fact of the matter is the cook is never going to be able to work from home. Right. My dentist is never going to be able to work from home. And, but I will also tell you my leaders who are running um, the marketing um, department of a large media entertainment company, they will tell you my folks can't work at home all the time either. It's not quite the same. Right. right. But but so what is going to make the difference? The difference is going to be for the leaders who are able to connect with their employees right. and create a sense of purpose that they actually want to come into. I mean, the, at the end of the day, it should not be punishment to come into the office. And what, what I'm finding in terms of, again, which is why I say just come into work two days a week is completely just a silly question. Come in the days on Tuesdays and Thursdays, because these are the days we're going to be doing this and this and this, and you are part of a whole and you are valued and we are working on this mission. That's what jazz is up. People want a purpose. Um, we have a comment here from Aaron, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Bored with work from home, go to the office. Missing family, work from home. And I think that says a lot about how an organization or how leaders could set things up to have that right balance. Because I also, I mean, use the word balance. And I, I think, you know, what, what um, 
what's being asked, which is a beautiful thing, is the concept that we do have to have boundaries and balance. Um, you know, I mean, I've said to many people, you know, when you got, you know, young screaming kids, you know, you go to work and everybody's rational, you know, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> um, and so it, it, what does it look like to embrace it? I can tell you what most leaders are finding, you know, when they're, because one of the other fundamental things when you ask what we're hearing, employers and you read this, employees, employers want employees back in the office, employees don't want to go back into the office. And again, yeah. if employers are doing it right, um, somebody once described me as like jumping into a deep end. In fact, it's really feel good once you're there and you know how to swim. It's sort of the same thing with going back to work. That once you're back in the office and you feel the energy and it's, right. you know, it's good to see people. If you're in the office, it's all about making connection. You've heard me yeah. talk about my term of interpersonal glue. I talk a lot about it in the book. That is why you go into the office. It is to connect with the people, get that energy, solve the problems, do that creative thinking that can happen when you're alive. I don't know about you, Julie, but in, in previous roles that I've had, I probably had some of the biggest decisions um, made, answer, questions answered by going to the cafeteria because you bumped into two or three people like, it saved you the email, it saved you walking past their office, and you were able to say about this, that you need that connection. You don't get that through a Zoom call in the same way. And I, um, right before this, I was on a, a call with a client, and they just moved into new space. And they now are all on one floor, and they have a huge kitchen, and it's an open, and she literally is talking about how more efficient it is, because she says, I walked to the to the kitchen and in between I bump into two people I get three you know three questions answered by bumping into those two people that would have taken me 20 minutes of email back and forth exactly. and I like it better <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's the energy I'm going through there's a bunch of questions that have come in and David Hansen has asked what's the biggest difficulty with hybrid and I think we've talked about that um I I, I I think a couple of things um, pounce at me, pop out to me. One is the issue of communication. Um, people, you can't just assume you're going to be able to communicate. In the book, I talk a lot about the challenges of email, of, of communication. I go into a lot of detail about like just using email in a good way. I joke, like, don't get me started in email and how people act out and how much waste, et cetera, et cetera. But you need to master this concept in terms of collaboration and communication. I think that is the biggest thing when you have people who are working um, asynchronously across different times and things getting read into it. So, so communication is one of them. Um, I think the other piece with hybrid for people is actually meant their mental health and the challenges of just the stress of dealing with it, which right. is why I also am a very firm believer in terms of creating some predictability in your world, including your schedule. Everybody loves flexibility. Flexibility is beautiful. It's also really can be stressful. Um, right. There literally are different neural pathways that we go through for new learning and old learning. And if every day you're like, wait, am I going to the office today? What time am I going? That actually is adding to your stress level. Right. We seek, we humans seek pattern, right? We seek exactly. to have some control over so much that's not in control. So I, right. you want to build, you want to build in the structure 
but leave that space for the flexibility, right? Right. There's right. Uh, Abib has a question here. What about body language way of communicating? To, and I hope I'm getting this right. Don't you think being present in the office creates um, a way to solve problems at a faster pace? Is what I'm understanding. Uh, um, you, you, thank you. You just wrote one of the sections of my book, so thank you. Um, <laughs> Body language is huge. Tone of voice is huge. Um, one of the things I talk about is in terms of communication that we go from just the words, which you have in an email, when you add in um, a phone call, you add in vocal, when you add in face over Zoom, you're adding some quality. It's not the same as being live. So body language is totally um, important about it. Um, how often have people misread tones into emails? Whereas when, when, and the other thing that when you're, so you, Will, you and I are looking at each other, but once we, if we pulled everybody else who's in this um, podcast together, we all would be looking at a focal point. We're not looking at each other. Right. And so the point about body language is that when you were in a meeting, and you and I are talking and we're seeing everybody else is falling asleep. We're like, man, maybe we need to do something a little different. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just something. Um, so the whole piece in terms of solving problems, because it's two things. One is you have the interpersonal connection that you're going to be feeling in the when you're live. And then you have to solve a problem. And I like you, Will. So even though we're having a problem with this at work, we'll work through it. So totally true about the presence and the body language and that multifaceted communication. Um, love that question because it is, I, I remember being told, um, watch those faces because younger, you, when you early on in your career, you're making faces in a room full of people. And, you know, there's that, <laughs> you want to communicate maybe that you're unhappy with something, but you do it in a professional way. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, Ash has a comment, a question here. A hybrid workplace model mixes in office and remote work to offer flexibility and support to employees. In a hybrid workplace, employees typically enjoy more autonomy and better work by work life balance and are more engaged as a result. Is that right? I think you talked about that earlier. Um, do you work? work life, what, how do you see this? How are you addressing this in your conversations? Uh, there are two things that they talk about there, which I think is a few words I wanna pull out, flexibility, autonomy, and better work-life balance. Um, yes, the whole concept of be, you know flexibility is very appealing for people. People want control, our lives vary, um, our work responsibilities vary, so yes, Everybody likes to control. You know, I joke, I say I have control issues. Um, and everybody does. Um, yeah. The issue of work-life balance, absolutely. And, and you know, that, look, we're going to just start seeing the studies come out in terms of overall mental health and productivity in the hybrid world. Um, hybrid world in knowledge workers is really hard to measure. Um, you know, if we, if we look back to the studies of working from home during early COVID, it was everybody was more productive, but nobody had anything else to do. Um, and also they measured productivity by asking you, 
Will, are you productive? <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, and, yeah. But, but clearly you do have the ability with flexibility that you have your son's soccer game you want to get home to. You want to meet your spouse for dinner at an earl for an early show. Yes, that flexibility um, is great. And it's great for people's overall health. The word autonomy, um, I hate to be the bad guy here, but it's also... Um, it's not totally autonomous because at the end of the day, we have, you know, somebody once said to me, that's why they call it work. Um, you know, we have, we all have a quid pro quo when we work. It's called, I do something and you pay me. Um, it's not, yeah, I'll do whatever I want. And yeah, but please pay me. And so you're not totally autonomous. And I feel actually pretty strongly about this where hybrid doesn't work is where everybody does whatever they want. They come and go whenever they want. There's no, and trust me, I have plenty of companies I work with where the policy is you have to, you can stay home six days a month. They could do any day. You don't know. For that matter, you could do the same because nobody's tracking it. Right. Um, and so in fact, there does need to be some coordination, some control, some organization that there is a method to the madness. So it's not totally autonomous. Otherwise, nothing's getting done. Um, another question comes from David. Um, how is hybrid, how, how is hybrid affecting office politics? Do on-site employees have an advantage of a closer relationship and more access, access to leadership? And um, Ash had a follow-up question, which is similar. Why are remote workers not given more importance? Do you believe this is a question, Julie, of, of what you just described? You're in the office, you're in a physical space, and you're interacting with human beings around you. Right. Not that you're forgetting the team that's doing important work offsite, but it has to be having right. an impact on the office. It totally part. is. Um, and I'm, so I'm going to act as if Felice was here right now because she's, remember, she's the attorney. And so this is the beautiful part of our book because it really puts things out for, there for people to think about, right? So what Felice will say is, well, we have a, an issue of proximity bias. And in fact, as I don't remember the name of the person who just asked the follow-up about um, in terms of the remote people, um, something about other remote people, Right. Why are they not given more importance? Right. right. So, so Felice would say to you from a legal standpoint, and absolutely, you have to talk about equity in terms of, you know, um, people, you know, having access and working and things like that. And you have to remember that you need to treat people equally to talk to you back from a legal standpoint. I will tell you from a leadership standpoint, dealing with that. Yes, that is true. And yes, leaders are responsible of trying to engage everybody. The fact of the matter is, is that the people who are in the office, in terms of if you wanna just be crass about moving your career forward, about building relationships, about gaining more information, it's going to happen live in the office. There is, as, as much as we try, right? If you're across the office or I know there's somebody three steps down and, and I'm the boss and I want something done, should right. I reach out to this person who's remote? I don't know if they're going to answer me. Right. I may try or am I going to walk three steps down, which is why, you know, I hear from people, you know, I really like working at home. I can get as much done at home. I will tell you the reality is, is 
in terms of if you want to look at politics, you're literally not going to be in there. Um, And I will say the other side of that that I think leaders do have to to be conscious of is creating this um, connection for people when they are at home and also blending it, right? If not, but everybody's in the office. So doing things like, I, you know, one of the suggestions I talk about, like in a meet, in a hybrid meeting, spend the first 15 minutes, what I call in a pre-meeting or five minutes where the only agenda is it's not work. So you're checking in, how was your trip to the mountains? Well, you know, right. and so you're building some of that connection where if you're at home, you don't have those natural abilities like you would bumping into people as you go into the kitchen kind of thing. Exactly. And so one of the running themes is leaders and employees themselves have to be much more conscious about making these connections in a hybrid world when they don't, you know, then, you know, versus when we're all in the office 24 seven. Well, not God bless. No, well, <laughs> 24 seven. You know, five days, of, the old five days a week. The, the, um, the old way. Um, I want to be mindful of time. We're at the 30 minute mark. Hopefully you can stay another 10 minutes or so. Happy to. Um, so Sono, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Um, having more agency and work is key. I've been, I've been lucky that previously I was working for people who didn't care where I was as long as the deliverers were met. So I, I believe if, if I'm understanding this correctly, it's, um, that autonomy sp- speaking to, right? Um, whether you're virtual, you know, working remotely or in the office, there's a job to do. And if you're meeting those deliverables, right? Right, so the operational word there is meeting deliverables. And what we're seeing now that again, is taking more time for people is defining what a deliverable is and staying on top of it to quote unquote, measure it. And in knowledge workers, it is harder to do. You and I were working on an assembly line. You put together X amount of kits and I put amount and a Y amount of kits, whatever, widgets, what have you. It's measurable. And this goes back to leaders doing their jobs, right? Because unfortunately, we used to measure productivity, but if you were sitting in your seat, which is just silly because I could be sitting in my seat in the office looking very busy and I'm shoe shopping all day. Exactly. Um, Comment I just put up on the screen. People can be at their desks doing nothing. Exactly. You know, there's, and I can spend a lot of, you know, you talk to people, there's a lot of stuff to just be surfing on the net. So, and that was the falsehood that I think when we were all live, how people measured, you know, productivity was if you by really by attendance. And so now the challenges that employers need to be thinking about this. And there's the other piece I've talked mentioned communication being important. It's also, if you want employees want autonomy, they also have to be responsible for communicating with their employers, what they're working on. Right. You want to stay connected. You have to be conscious of not only expecting the manager to reach down to you, but you also managing up and sharing information about what you're working on and how you're meeting your deliverables. Um, Another question here comes in from Karina. Um, I think I have an answer to this one. How can one improve customer service in a hybrid workplace? Being the service guy responsible for welcoming, greeting, and selling, 
I think the way you can help those that are actually welcoming, greeting, and selling is you can improve the systems that everybody has to work with on the back end. And so I think that if you had a tech team making improvements, that can help deliver better customer service. But I think, to, and I'd love your thought on this, Julie, it goes back to the leader needing to understand that it is so important for those who work face-to-face with a customer, a client, a visitor, they need the support given by those who could do that work remotely. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think that the, you know, when you say compute customer service, you know, it means so many different things in so yeah. many different ways, right? You know, in one place, you know, I'm working with the chief legal counsel, they service, it's an internal position. They're servicing everybody else, right? That's very different when you're talking about the customer service responsibilities of somebody at the Met. Um, so, but it all goes back to what is that you can tell me better than I can tell you this. What is the customer need? And now you have with a hybrid workplace, I think you need to start thinking creatively right. about how do you meet that bottom line need perhaps in a different way. Because the, the, from, from the world of service that I'm from, and you know, my heart sings along with waiters and cashiers, I love that world. I always look at it from the vantage point of a manager, a director, or an executive thinking, okay, you can see these great people who are struggling because they don't have the tools to do their job. And I don't think the leader actually has to know all about technology, but when you're with the team, oh, it'd be much better if I had um, some sort of tablet in my hand where I could do this quickly. Or can, instead of going through three um, clicks of a mouse to do something, could it be one? Those sorts of things, see, they're not glamorous, they don't get a lot of attention, but they can mean the world to those. And leaders who understand this hybrid workplace, how do you put the resources in the right place? Because you will always, hopefully, whether it's through customer service, that's email or phone calls, it doesn't have to be in person. How do you support those that are supporting or greeting your customers? I'm looking at, the, at some of the questions here. Um, let's see, I have one final question for you. And that is this. We've gone almost 40 minutes and I'm still gonna ask you maybe for five more. Um, <laughs> when do you think the workplace is going to stabilize? It's been three years of disruption. Do you see, do you and Felice see that there's gonna be the shiny day where everything's resolved and back to normal? Uh, I, I, first of all, I don't know what the normal is. So we're definitely not going back there. Um, I will tell you, we don't know. Uh, we're still in the midst of change. What we are at now, and it's almost like starting now, is we don't have the health factor impacting hybrid decisions that we did since COVID. We're sort of, because that was another variable that impacted all this other mess we're talking about where people were not going in because of health reasons. So in some ways, 2023 was really the start of a new era in the sense that we're looking at hybrid work out of having a decision based on, I can't be in the same place of you because of health. Right. And so I think that we've got to- 
changes it. Right, exactly. Because that was the reason. Yes, I'll come in, but I don't want to be near you because I don't want to get sick. So we don't have that. So now we're dealing with all these other work, life, family, you know, productivity issues. My guess is we've got at least another year to see where things will settle down. And I'm not picking a date, but I will tell you, I don't think we're going, I definitely don't think we're going back. And the other thing is, I don't think that coming up with a standard four-day work week is out of the realm of possibility either. I I think that the workplace has changed dramatically. And I worked um, nearly 40 years in a public realm where it was seven days a week, right? Because retail businesses, when you're working with the public, Saturdays and Sundays are sometimes your busiest days. So this idea that you can change up the number of days a week, sticking to must be five, based on the traditional Monday to Friday, nine to five, has been outdated for so, so long. So, so here's a question, Will. Do you think we may go back to Sundays being a day with everything's closed? Um, the numbers, the numbers, I think are just too important. And I, you know, this is really interesting and this could be a whole other show, but I also think when I, when I think of museums and cultural institutions, the idea, um, that you wouldn't be available on weekends for those who've maybe worked all week or people who come into town for a weekend. Um, I just couldn't see that. Right. Right. I just couldn't see that happening again. I'm old enough to remember the big deal when the A&P by my grandmother's house opened on a Sunday. That was like shocking. Right. Like there's far too many people who don't remember that. But the idea that a supermarket opened up on a Sunday was revolutionary. Now look at now look at the world we're in. Like you said, 24 seven. I want to make sure that everyone can reach out to you. First of all, I want to say, I just love this conversation and you definitely have to come back. I would love to come back. I love talking with you. Um, And when I'm back in New York, we have to actually have the conversation in person. Live, (laughs) live, live. (laughs) I would really, really love that. So let me see if I have this correct. People who want to reach out to you, uh, well, they can buy your book on Amazon. Also, I think you have a link on your website, which is Julie Cantor. Cantor with a K dot right. com. Right. So that's the best way would, to reach. Right. Would love to hear from you. Please reach out to me. Um, my contact information. You can also email me at Julie at JulieCantor.com. Uh, would love to connect with you. Um, it's great being here, Will. I love talking with you. And then there'll be a version of this conversation. I'm getting creative with doing new things. So not only will this, this, video live on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube, but it will be converted into a podcast that you can listen to on Apple, Spotify, and Google. So um, those of you who couldn't watch this live, you can at least listen to our conversation down the road. And Julie, thank you so, so very much for joining us today. And um, I'm looking forward to see what happens in the workplace. Yeah, uh, we will continue this conversation. It's going to go on. So thank you. Um, Thank you for everyone who tuned in and listened today and make it a great rest of your week. Take care. Bye-bye.